Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports, and I'm back here with another uh, USFL offseason episode. We got a lot to discuss, a lot of news, um, recent signings, as well as um, just some rumors going around about some key positions potentially getting called up from the USFL to the NFL. So I just wanted to touch on all these topics because I think it's important um, to stay updated with this, um, and I have a ton of notes um, that I kind of want to make sure that I don't just let go to waste. So um figured this would make a nice little episode regarding the uh, USFL. But the big news since our last episode was New Jersey making another splash, um, bringing back two more players, um, Shalom Luwani and Dijon Himes, linebacker Dijon Himes and safety Shalom Luwani. Um, Shalom Luwani is a really good player, a hard-hitting ball hawk kind of safety Um third season with the team, really good player. I don't know if we'll get a chance to be in the NFL. Um, I would like to see that happen. He has the body, he has the size to be able to compete at that level. Um, It's just a matter of um, potentially football IQ. But again, this guy, you know, he is a player, an impact player, especially for the the New Jersey Generals and their defense. And Dejon Hines was also very solid next to Chris Orr. Um, and they're they're bringing back pretty much their entire defense from what it looks like. I mean, it could be a good thing or a bad thing. It really could be because you want to get those new guys in there as well. But they're also attaining and retaining talent, um, not just for the team, but for the league. They're locking these guys up with contracts so that no other alternative league can poach them, which is very respectable. Um, but besides those two players, they did also bring back safety Paris Ford. Really good player. Um, he's very he's very communi- like his communication skills are high. Very quick feet, um, jumps routes very well. Um, had a couple really good pass breakups when needed, but just their offense struggled, so their defense really couldn't keep them propped up um, like the Maulers, uh, and they couldn't really win when mattered because they needed to score points. And the defense, you know. Defenses can score points, but that's not the unit you want to be scoring your points. I mean, you do, but you want your offense to be putting up some kind of production as well. Um, but the Generals also brought back, like I said, safety Paris Ford, wide receiver Alonzo Moore, linebacker Chris Orr, and tight end Braden Bowman, all players that have been there for the past two seasons. So it's really cool to see them bringing these guys back into year three and year four. Um, because Darius Victor's contract was that two-year deal. So season four is confirmed, so I imagine some of these other guys are going to be signing two-year contracts. You know, probably a little over hundred ten grand with benefits. You know, I can't complain about that with bonuses if you go to the playoffs. You know, and, and I think the Generals will be a good team next season, but they just need a better offensive play caller, in my personal opinion. Um, and then the Panthers also brought back offensive tackle Keith Williams, he was pretty decent for them this season. Um, struggled with Josh Love here and there with communication. Um, but again, I think it was legitimately just that offensive play calling for that team as well. They really need to amp it up and do some more play action and stuff like that where you know the quarterback has a little more time and the linemen don't have to you know, do anything crazy um, for any kind of run schemes that they like to do. But it's good to see that they're bringing back some offensive tackle talent, um, mainly because you want them to mend well with the other players, your quarterback, and also get to know the running game that that the Michigan Panthers are known for with Reggie Corbin and Stevie Scott the second, excuse me, the third. Um, But that's really cool for the Panthers. Uh, I expect them to have a good season next year. 
it's hard to see what team's going to be shit. Like they are going to have to expand this eight. They are going to have to expand. Like they have like not this season, obviously, but they are going to have to expand because the talent is everything. Every team is just going to be so fucking good to where it's going to be like we're going to have repetitive losing record teams getting in because that the whole league is so competitive. We need to keep introducing new teams, new talent, because no matter what league you're in, there's always going to be a poverty club or two or three or five. Um, and, and just to keep it interesting and to keep, you know, kind of things going on the right path as far as spreading out the talent properly, as well as having competitive playoffs, um, you want to keep that in that general vicinity, in my personal opinion. Um, but as far as some potential um, NFL signings, but quickly, I never touched up on Josh Peterson's contract information for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's the tight end that played for the Houston Gamblers this past off this past season, um, and it was a one-year, seven hundred fifty grand contract. Deion Kane, still to this day, we don't know his team or contract information. I'm sure that'll be released. Um, at the disclosure of the NFL and obviously the club he's going for. Might be a little bit of a holdup there or something going on there with the contract information. Maybe they haven't really signed, um, but it was kind of like a, you know, a shaking hands type of thing. But uh, we'll, I'll definitely be reporting that information as soon as I get it. But more information regarding some other players that we haven't really discussed going to the NFL um, coming out now. Um, Mark Thompson running back for the Houston Gamblers, who had two great seasons with that team. Um, is getting a workout with the Giants. And Saquon Barkley was not signed earlier today, so that's going to be something to definitely look forward to. Maybe he can get a you know, a position in, a, in a, like a committee backfield. So that'll be awesome to see Mark Thompson. I'm definitely buying a jersey if he's able to see the field, especially if he makes that active roster. I, you know, just either way, just props. Well-deserved, had a great historic spring season in the USFL in Season 2, and I think it's only going to get better for him. You know, and he's 28. Take a shot on the guy. You know, one year, 800 grand, you know, maybe even less, you know, but he has good power. He has good quick feet and good ball carrying vision. You know, he's going to look slower in the NFL, obviously, but I think he can still adequately, you know, fill in for a season or two until the Giants get a good running back. I'm not saying it's the premier back. He's not going to be running back one, but maybe that running back two, running back three spot where they're going to get a, get him a couple touchdowns, third and ones, third and twos, give it to Mark Thompson, you know? And especially if Saquon is going to continue to sit out. And I'm going to get Logan on for a Giants episode to talk more in depth about that. But um, that's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, as well as another player getting a workout from the Giants. Looks like these NFC East teams love these USFL guys. You look at the Giant, uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys with two. And the Giants got a few last year with Ryan McGee, that guard. Um, but Keava Tazina, linebacker for the Pittsburgh Maulers, is also working out with the Giants. And I think he does... Definitely deserves a shot. I mean, Logan was telling me Gerard Davis is out with an injury. He's going to be long-term. So having this guy to fill in the gap for a season, why not? I mean, he's not, he might not start, but, you know, there could be a committee role going in linebacker as well. And I think Keava Tezina will surprise the Giants coaching staff. He is very intelligent, of a very hard hitter, and he doesn't miss his assignments. The only way he misses assignments is if, you know, it's like a mis- miscommunication or it's just kind of a freak play, in my opinion. I think he's always been around the ball, and I think that, especially with Reuben Foster on his team and um, the Pittsburgh Maulers this this past season, I think that elevated his game and got him to a different level. And for two seasons, he was with the Maulers, and he put up great numbers. Um, definitely was in conversation for Defensive Player of the Year in 2023 this past season, but he was just all over the field, man. It was between him and Frank Enda. 
Frank Ginder got the shot and got the award, obviously, because he was just a dog, and especially in the playoffs. Um, but it's just really cool to see that that Kiavatizino's getting some shot, uh, getting getting a shot, getting some spotlight on his name as well. And then two quarterbacks from the USFL rumored to be getting some workouts as well. DeAndre Johnson, quarterback for the New Jersey Generals, um, is getting a tryout or getting looks at least by the Browns and the Jets, um, as well as the Texans, I believe I saw. And then Alex Magoo has apparently acquired interest from a third of the league. So we will see probably both these guys get picked up here within the matter of you know a couple of days, if not a week. Um, so just shout out to both of those guys for having two great seasons with the USFL. Um, they really shined. They showed off their abilities, their capabilities. Um, and I think that they definitely deserve a shot, especially if Taylor, Taylor Heineke and PJ Walker got a shot. I think Alex Magoo is better than both of those players, especially coming out of the alternative league. So I think genuinely you can get nothing but upside out of Alex Magoo. And from what I saw with DeAndre Johnson, he would definitely be like a Tyrod Taylor type of backup, but a high quality one at that. But you know what? Maybe he gets thrust into, into a starting position due to injury or something like that. I'd love to see him ball out. And you know what? I think if any of these guys actually, you know, get on that starting roster roster for a team and a club in the NFL, I'll be buying their jerseys for sure. Another guy getting some looks by Denver is Frank Ginda, linebacker for the Michigan Panthers, and well-deserved. Recorded over 200 tackles in two seasons. He was just a dog. He was tied for first in interceptions this year in the USFL, and I just don't think you can complain about him getting a tryout. He is one of the best spring players I've ever seen, and he's one of the coolest players, and he's one of my favorite. Him and Kayaba Tizino... I mean, both those guys, I loved watching play for two seasons in the USFL, and I'd love to see them on the NFL stage. I think that's just something that you can only hope for, and these guys deserve it, in my personal opinion, but I'm obviously biased. But just really cool to to see, you know, those guys get, get a shot that they deserve. Um... Also, some tweets here that I kind of want to go over, some uh, you know records via USFL Center and USFL comms. Shout out to those Twitter accounts, really good at reporting USFL news and stats and stuff like that. But linebacker Deshaun Hines and Shalom Luwani have re-signed with the Generals. I talked about that at the beginning of the episode. Um, two of the brightest spots on New Jersey's defense, Hines made a staggering 75 tackles last season, fifth in the entire USFL. Meanwhile, Luwani, the 2022 All-USFL safety, had 44 tackles in nine games last season. So really cool to see those guys come back with some really impressive stats um, you know, in their USFL careers. Um, as well as the USFL comms tweet, I wanted to shout these guys out because Jonathan Adams and Johnny Dixon are premier receivers in the USFL. Jonathan Adams is the modern USFL career leader in receiving yards with 883. Johnny Dixon is the modern USFL career leader in, t- in receiving touchdowns with 9. They're both wide receivers for the Breakers. In Season 1, they had Kyle Slaughter, who I want to talk about as well in this episode. And in this, this past season, they just had McLeod Bethel-Thompson. And then the, they are also both tied for modern USFL career reception leaders, each with 71, which is just so impressive. And you gotta love that those guys are very reliable, and they deserve a shot at wide receiver three or wide receiver three on an NFL team, or a slot receiver position, or hell, even a practice squad position, because they're very good players, um, and better than some of the guys that I see in the NFL for sure. But um, Kyle Slaughter also confirmed that he is returning to the USFL for the 2024 season. I imagine he won't be on the Birmingham Stallions because of J.M.R. Smith confirming he's going to be running it back as well with um, 
Terrence Marable. Oh, no, excuse me. God. Marlon Williams, excuse me. I am, jeez. Marlon Williams is also coming back for season three. So those guys are going to be taking helm on that offense. So Kyle Slaughter, you know, I can I can think of two teams right now. Um, the Michigan Panthers and potentially the Houston Gamblers. So we'll see what's going on with that information. And hopefully we can get some confirmation pretty soon. Um, but another thing on Kyle Tizino, Giants are working, and this is um, from Aaron Wilson on Twitter, um, Aaron Wilson underscore NFL, shout out to him, I do a lot, a lot of retweeting of his stuff, but Giants working out former USFL Mahler and San Diego State linebacker Kyle Tizino, 94 tackles and two interceptions, and the USFL Gamblers running back Mark Thompson, USFL Offensive Player of the Year, 14 touchdown runs, T- they're both working out today, and this was 14 hours ago, Um so again, this happened on uh, July 17th. Um, so definitely going to be a process. We won't really know any news for a couple days, but as soon as, I, as soon as I know, I'm getting that information on the pod for sure. But um, definitely something to look for and make sure you keep your eyes on. And this is also really cool that we're seeing um, the Giants go for some of these um, alternative league players. Ever since the, uh, the, the Giants assistant GM, Brandon Brown was speaking on the value of the USFL. Um, they, they've signed, well, they're working out two players. But they also signed um, Kobe Smith, a defensive lineman from the XFL, and they worked out a defensive lineman, Kevin Atkins. So, you know, we'll see if they sign either of these two USFL players, but I think that at least one of them will be signed. They'd win if they got both. But... Um, this is some more news, according to Aaron Wilson on Alex Magoo. But the USFL Stallions quarterback, athletic, a dual-threat quarterback, and USFL MVP Alex Magoo, a two-time champion previously with the Seahawks, Texans, and Jaguars, has multiple upcoming NFL workouts per league sources and has drawn interest from roughly a third of the league after throwing 20 touchdowns, rushing for 400 yards and five scores, and leading the USFL in completion percentage and QB rating. So that's really awesome to see him getting um, a shot because, dude, he he immediately would be contending for one of the best backups in the league. Like after watching his season, he was a dog, and he he deserves this, and I love to see it. But I will say this for the USFL, I'm gonna miss these players, um, but it's really good for the league. It's good publicity for the league. It's good to know that they can move guys up, develop them, and their play their craft, and get them a shot in the NFL because that's honestly what's important and what a lot of these players really want. They want to play at that high level. But it's really cool to see not only some of them stay behind and re-sign because they realize that this is probably where I belong. And that's no negative connotation behind that at all because you want to play football. You want to play your dream and live out your passion. Um, And you can still do that in this modern day of football. And I love that. I really do because you can create a legacy Either way, if you get called up to the NFL or if you stay in the USFL and just legitimately ball out. And that's why I love Darius Victor. Shout out to him for sure. But just multiple things I wanted to briefly touch up on on the uh, the USFL as a whole. Um, I, I touched up on the retaining talent aspect, how they're re-signing players, especially the generals. Um, it's a big deal. It's a big deal because they're locking talent down for their league, for their product, and they're also sig- like like signaling, hey, we just signed Darius Victor to a two-year contract, 2025's on the table. It's there. 
We just need to see a big amp up in not only um, audience, but just I want to see consistent ratings like I did this season. For the past two seasons, we see that it does have a fan base. We see that it can draw a crowd at not only home teams like Birmingham, Memphis, or Michigan, but playoff games. I mean, the Canton game wasn't empty. There was a decent amount of people there. I, I love that the USFL is able to draw people out and have them watch and absorb this new product. And I think it does it better than any other alternative league. You know, they're not giving away tickets for free. They're not failing in marketing and losing tens of millions of dollars after their first season. They're actually making money. Um, and that's a crucial point to the USFL. They're trying to play the longevity game and make a legitimate impact on history instead of, you know, kind of just playing a home run derby with it. You know what I'm saying? So it's really cool to see that and really cool to see the professionalism in the USFL kind of grow even more. And I think that it, that only means better things for the league going down the line. Um, but one other topic I just wanted to touch up on before I talk about the infamous Kyle Slaughter interview, which I loved the honesty in that interview. Um, but like like I said, the contracts going for two years or potentially more. So I really appreciate that because it not only, like I said, signals to that season four um, but potentially even season five. I mean, we just want reassurance that the league is going to continue. You know, as a, as a football fan, realizing that the NFL won't be touched by any of these leagues, we want to realize and also accept, but also know that this product that we're diving into and, you know, kind of covering and becoming fans of and growing attached to will actually survive the test of time. You know, and I think that's an important part and an important detail that people need to start noticing more and, and talking about that the USFL is making this happen and they're confirming and signaling towards, you know, even more seasons after season three, that like this might actually be the springtime league of our future. So I think that that's a crucial, you know, bulletin point to bring up. And I think that, again, that's only means that there's bright lights at the end of the tunnel for the USFL. And I don't think there will be an end of the tunnel for the USFL. And I hope not. Obviously, I hope not, but you got to really hope that, you know, they can definitely get together with the NFL, like I touched up on, on their partnership with loaning players, having them sent down for, you know, obviously game reps. That's huge. That's how you survive. You're not going to be able to survive completely 100% on your own. You have to align with the big dog in your market. And when you're able to do that, you know, maybe bigger things can happen for the USFL that weren't able to happen in the 80s. So I think that's a big point and um, just obviously just something to keep your eyes out for on Twitter or wherever you get your news from. And um, yeah, just moving forward to that Kyle, Kyle Slaughter interview. It was it, it was damning to me, to the XFL and they're not only just a vibe, but he was talking about how they were just taking a long shot. They lost 60 million in their first season. ESPN went through a firing spree. I can't not say that they're correlated. Um, and obviously Disney's been losing a crap ton of money. But I mean, just in general, he was talking about how he wanted to change the offense so that he could perform better. He went to his coach, had an open conversation. They cut him for being negative. And he, he did talk about the talent difference. He was talking about how the best players in the XFL are overall better than in the USFL. But I think that just overall, in general, the talent in the USFL is better because they play faster. Um, everyone's jumping around making plays, and it's just more overall of a more quality of play league than the XFL. I mean, we see that. Um, obviously, losing $60 million in your first season is terrible. I mean, the USFL has not lost money. 
<laughs> they have not. So, I mean, when you have that chip on your shoulder as a league, you are able to acquire more talent and draw more talent in. When you see one league failing, firing sales teams, firing a coach after one season, um, it just it was actually a mutual agreement to part ways. It was definitely a little bit of a rough season one for the XFL. I know they're coming back for season two, but I just don't know how they're going to be able to. I mean, losing $60 million, which is all you really have to say in any kind of debate, um, you know, that's damning. But just the story about Arlington uh, and their coaching staff was really rough to hear because you never want to hear that about a coaching staff being toxic and having kind of like a divide, like it's players versus coaches. That was just not a good thing. Um, but again, going in, going more into the interview, he was also talking about, obviously, the quality of play difference and just overall, like, the, the leaks. You know, one again, one's more flashy, trying to make a long shot, giving away tickets in the state, in the cities. And, excuse me, and and you know trying to go out with a bang in their opener, but keep in mind the USFL started not only a year before, but they have better talent. They were able to pick up these really good, solid guys cut off of NFL rosters or undrafted free agents in 2022, and they were able to to lock these guys down for one to two years, and that really hurt the XFL. He was talking about that, and I was like, wow, that's a really interesting point. I don't care what anyone on Twitter is saying. Like, when you have guys like the Markcast that are completely biased analysts and reporters on Twitter just shitting on Kyle Slaughter, calling him the backup quarterback, go out there and throw a pass, bro. Like, in any league. Like, bro, like, seriously, when you... Like, I value what the players say. Like, especially if Kyle Slaughter didn't destroy his credibility like an AB did. You know, like an Antonio Brown. Kyle Slaughter's a chill guy. He's statistically the best preseason quarterback in the NFL, you have to give him props where it's due. He's been to the highest stage. He's been with elite players. You can't just dismiss this. And it wasn't. It was trending a little bit. And I, I had to I had to comment on it for sure. Because I think it's important that we that we talk about player experience in these leagues. Which league is taking care of who? And uh, you know, I just really hope that People watch that video. Go look it up on Twitter. I mean, it was damning for the XFL. I mean, damning. And that's how, that's why Kyle Slaughter's returning for next season to the USFL. And he might lead a squad to the playoffs because he's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. I don't know what Arlington was doing during the season. Um, but Luis Perez won when he needed to when they got to the uh, they got to the promised land and won. But it was funny that people were trying to call him a backup quarterback. Hey, I mean, his team had a winning record and won the championship, and it looked good, you know? And I'm glad he left the Renegades and he's back in the USFL, where he should be, and he should cement a name in the USFL. I loved watching him play in Season 1. It was the only reason I liked the Breakers in Season 1, was because of Kyle Slaughter. Him, Jonathan Adams, Johnny Dixon, those guys clicked, and I'd like to see him maybe return there, you know? That'd be pretty cool, right? But um, definitely just really interesting to talk about. Um, I'm going to flip the page on those USFL notes and just remember to notate here. Um, Dion Kane contract and team. Just so that I know in the next USFL episode that that's what I'm going to be starting off with. Because I can't believe that his information for that has not been 
I guess you call released yet. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, this desk is a little tight, but um, all I really kind of wanted to just touch up on before I wrap this episode up is, again, we're talking about the USFL going into season three here. This is off-season coverage. I'm going to drop a couple of these episodes here and there, mainly because of the signings, the workouts, the rumors, um, as well as just re-signings for the USFL, because when I say signings, I'm normally talking about the NFL, you know, kind of poaching some of the guys out of the USFL, which it sucks because I, you know, it, it doesn't suck for them. It's obviously great for their journey, their career, their life, their family, their friends, everything. But as a, just a fan, you know, I just wish that they were, because uh, I mean, think about it. Deion Kane, if he still played in the USFL, he'd probably be one of the best USFL receivers ever. You know, you could become one of those guys and become, you know, a, a a name in the USFL, you know, and sadly there's no guarantee that a lot of these guys getting workouts and getting signed are even going to see the field. But it's really good that they got the opportunity, and if they fight as hard as they did in the USFL, then they definitely will make that active roster. So shout out to everyone that's been picked up or getting workouts in the USFL. Shout out to all the, the players, the coaches, all the opportunity in the USFL. It just seems to be growing and growing and growing and just getting better by the minute. And I will definitely be non-stop covering the USFL as long as it exists, so I apologize if you're not a USFL person. Um, definitely, you know, maybe stay away from these episodes, but I should be having a nice little video game review coming out here in, uh, in probably in a day or so, so stay tuned for that, and make sure you guys check out Brandon's solo episodes. He's really doing a great job, so uh, make sure you stay tuned in. Uh, thank you everyone out there for showing love and support to the, the podcast, the uh, the IG, the TikTok, the threads, the Twitter, at Tea Time Reports. We greatly appreciate it. And just, you know, if there's any constructive criticism, if there's any suggestions, hit our line. You know, we have an email out there in the bio. If you want to be a part of the show and if you have any qualifications to do some editing or anything like that, like, just hit us up. We're trying to grow, become a community, and make something really cool here. So um, just keep that in mind. This is Trevor signing off. Thank you, everyone.